Chapter Two of Ormond by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Lady O'Shane, extremely terrified, had scarcely power to rise. She opened the drawer of the table and thrust her trembling hand down to the bottom of the silk bag into which the keys had fallen impatient of delay ormond pushed open the door snatched the keys and disappeared the whole passed in a few seconds the music drowned the noise of the opening door and of the two chairs which ormond had thrown down those who sat near thought a servant had pushed in and gone out but however rapid the movement the full view of the figure had been seen by miss annerley who was sitting on the opposite side of the room sir ulic was sitting beside her talking earnestly lady annerley had just retired for heaven's sake what's the matter cried he stopping in the middle of a sentence on seeing miss annerley grow suddenly pale as death her eyes were fixed on the door of the greenhouse his followed that direction yes said he we can get out into the air that way lean on me she did so he pushed his way through the crowd at the bottom of the country dance and as he passed was met by lady o'shane and miss black both with faces of horror sir ulic did you see pointing to the door did you see mr ormond there's blood there's mischief certainly said miss black a quarrel mr marcus perhaps nonsense no such thing you'll find said sir ulic pushing on and purposely jostling the arm of a servant who was holding a salver of ices overturning them all and whilst the surrounding company were fully occupied about their clothes and their fears and apologies he made his way onwards to the greenhouse lady o'shane clinging to one arm miss annerley supported by the other miss black following repeating mischief mischief you'll see sir miss black open the door and not another word he edged miss annerley on the moment the door opened dragged lady o'shane after him pushed miss black back as she attempted to follow but recollecting that she might spread the report of mischief if he left her behind drew her into the greenhouse locked the door and led miss annerley out into the air bring salts water something miss black follow me lady o'shane when i'm hardly able your wife sir ulic you might said lady o'shane as she tottered on you might i should have thought no time for such thoughts my dear interrupted he sit down on the steps there she is better now now what is all this i am not to speak said miss black lady o'shane began to say how mr ormond had burst in covered with blood and seized the keys of the gates the keys but he had no time for that thought which way did he go i don't know i gave him the keys of both gates the two entrances were a mile asunder sir ulic looked for footsteps on the grass it was a fine moonlight night he saw footsteps on the path leading to the gardener's house stay here ladies and i will bring you intelligence as soon as possible this way sir ulic they are coming said miss annerley who had now recovered her presence of mind several persons appeared from a turn in the shrubbery carrying someone on a hand-barrow a gentleman on horseback with a servant and many persons walking sir ulic hastened towards them the gentleman on horseback spurred his horse and met him marcus is it you 
thank god but ormond where is he and what has happened the first sound of marcus's voice when he attempted to answer showed that he was not in a condition to give a rational account of anything his servant followed also much intoxicated while sir ulic had been stopped by their ineffectual attempts to explain the people who were carrying the man on the hand-barrow came up ormond appeared from the midst of them carry him on to the gardener's house cried he pointing the way and coming forward to sir ulic if he dies i am a murderer cried he who is he said sir ulic moriarty carroll please your honour answered several voices at once and how happened it said sir ulic the long and the short of it sir said marcus as well as he could articulate the fellow was insolent and we cut him down and if it were to do again i'd do it again with pleasure no no you won't say so marcus when you are yourself said ormond oh how dreadful to come to one's senses all at once as i did the moment after i had fired that fatal shot the moment i saw the poor fellow stagger and fall it was you then that fired at him interrupted sir ulic yes oh yes said he striking his forehead i did it in the fury of passion then ormond taking all the blame upon himself and stating what had passed in the strongest light against himself gave this account of the matter after having drunk too much at mr cornelius o'shane's they were returning from the black islands and afraid of being late they were galloping hard when at a narrow part of the road they were stopped by some cars impatient of the delay they abused the men who were driving them insisting upon their getting out of the way faster than they could moriarty carroll made some answer which marcus said was insolent and inquiring the man's name and hearing it was carroll said all the carrolls were bad people rebels moriarty defied him to prove that and added some expressions about tyranny which enraged ormond this part of the provocation ormond did not state but merely said he was thrown into a passion by some observation of moriarty's and first he lifted his whip to give the fellow a horse-whipping moriarty seized hold of the whip and struggled to wrest it from his hand ormond then snatched a pistol from his holster telling moriarty he would shoot him if he did not let the whip go moriarty who was in a passion himself struggled still holding the whip ormond cocked the pistol and before he was aware he had done so the pistol accidentally went off the ball entered moriarty's breast this happened within a quarter of a mile of castle hermitage the poor fellow bled profusely and in assisting to lift him upon the hand-barrow ormond was covered with blood as has already been described have you sent for a surgeon said sir ulic coolly certainly sent off a fellow on my own horse directly sir will you come on to the gardener's house i want you to see him to know what you'll think if he die i am a murderer repeated ormond this horrible idea so possessed his imagination that he could not answer or hear any of the farther questions that were asked by lady o'shane and miss black but after gazing upon them with unmeaning eyes for a moment in silence walked rapidly on 
as he was passing by the steps of the greenhouse he stopped short at the sight of miss annalee who was still sitting there what's the matter said he in a tone of great compassion going close up to her then recollecting himself he hurried forward again as i can be of no use unless i can be of any use said miss annalee i will now that i am well enough return my mother will wonder what has become of me sir ulic give me the key of the conservatory to let miss annalee into the ballroom miss annalee does not wish to dance any more to-night i believe said sir ulic dance oh no then without exciting observation you can all get in better at the back door of the house and miss annalee can go up the back stairs to lady annalee's room without meeting any one and you lady o'shane added he in a low voice order up supper and say nothing of what has passed miss black you hear what i desire no gossiping to get to the back door they had to walk round the house and in their way they passed the gardeners the surgeon had just arrived go on ladies pray said sir ulic what stops you tis i stop the way sir ulic said lady o'shane to speak a word to the surgeon if you find the man in any dangerous way for pity's sake don't let him die at our gardener's indeed the bringing him here at all i think a very strange step and encroachment of mr ormond's it will make the whole thing so public and the people hereabouts are so revengeful if anything should happen to him it will be revenged on our whole family on sir ulic in particular no danger nonsense my dear but now this idea had seized lady o'shane it appeared to her a sufficient reason for desiring to remove the man even this night she asked why he could not be taken to his own home and his own people she repeated that it was very strange of mr ormond to take such liberties as if everything about castle hermitage was quite at his disposal one of the men who had carried the hand-barrow and who was now standing at the gardener's door observed that moriarty's people lived five miles off ormond who had gone into the house to the wounded man being told what lady o'shane was saying came out she repeated her words as he reappeared naturally of sudden violent temper and being now in the highest state of suspense and irritation he broke out forgetful of all proper respect miss black who was saying something in corroboration of lady o'shane's opinion he first attacked pronouncing her to be an unfeeling canting hypocrite then turning to lady o'shane he said that she might send the dying man away if she pleased but that if she did he would go too and that never while he existed would he enter her ladyship's doors again ormond made this threat with the air of a superior to an inferior totally forgetting his own dependent situation and the dreadful circumstances in which he now stood you are drunk young man my dear ormond you don't know what you are saying interposed sir ulic at his voice and the kindness of his tone ormond recollected himself forgive me said he in a very gentle tone my head certainly is not oh may you never feel what i have felt this last hour if this man die oh consider he will not die he will not die i hope 
at any rate don't talk so loud within hearing of these people my dear lady o'shane this foolish boy this harry ormond is i grant a sad scapegrace but you must bear with him for my sake let this poor wounded fellow remain here i won't have him stirred to-night we shall see what ought to be done in the morning ormond you forgot yourself strangely towards lady o'shane as to this fellow don't make such a rout about the business i dare say he will do very well we shall hear what the surgeon says at first i was horribly frightened i thought you and marcus had been quarrelling miss annalee are not you afraid of staying out lady o'shane why do you keep miss annalee let supper go up directly supper ay everything goes on as usual said ormond and i i must follow them in and see how things are going on and prevent gossiping for your sake my boy resumed sir ulic after a moment's pause you have got into an ugly scrape i pity you from my soul i'm rash myself send the surgeon to me when he has seen the fellow depend upon me if the worst come to the worst there's nothing in the world i would not do to serve you said sir ulic so keep up your spirits my boy we'll contrive to bring you through at the worst it will only be manslaughter ormond wrung sir ulic's hand thanked him for his kindness but repeated it will be murder it will be murder my own conscience tells me so if he die give me up to justice you'll think better of it before morning said sir ulic as he left ormond the surgeon gave ormond little comfort after extracting the bullet and examining the wound he shook his head he had but a bad opinion of the case and when ormond took him aside and questioned him more closely he confessed that he thought the man would not live he should not be surprised if he died before morning the surgeon was obliged to leave him to attend another patient and ormond turning all the other people out of the room declared he would sit up with moriarty himself a terrible night it was to him to his alarmed and inexperienced eyes the danger seemed even greater than it really was and several times he thought his patient expiring when he was faint from loss of blood the moments in which ormond was occupied in assisting him were the least painful it was when he had nothing left to do when he had leisure to think that he was most miserable then the agony of suspense and the horror of remorse were felt till feeling was exhausted and he would sit motionless and stupefied till he was wakened again from this suspension of thought and feeling by some moan of the poor man or some delirious startings toward morning the wounded man lay easier and as ormond was stooping over his bed to see whether he was asleep moriarty opened his eyes and fixing them on ormond said in broken sentences but so as very distinctly to be understood don't be in such trouble about the likes of me i'll do very well you'll see and even suppose i wouldn't not a friend i have shall ever prosecute i'll charge him not so be easy for you're a good heart and the pistol went off unknownst to you i'm sure there was no malice let that be your comfort it might happen to any man let alone gentlemen don't take on so only think of young mr harry sittin up the night with me 
oh if you'd go now and settle yourself yonder on t'other bed sir i'd be a great dale easier and i don't doubt but i'd get a taste of sleep myself well now would you standing over or fernent me i can't close an eye for thinking of you mr harry ormond immediately threw himself upon the other bed that he might relieve moriarty's feelings the good nature and generosity of this poor fellow increased ormond's keen sense of remorse as to sleeping for him it was impossible whenever his ideas began to fall into that sort of confusion which precedes sleep suddenly he felt as if his heart were struck or twinged and he started with the recollection that some dreadful thing had happened and wakened to the sense of guilt and all its horrors moriarty now lying perfectly quiet and motionless and ormond not hearing him breathe he was struck with the dread that he had breathed his last a cold tremor came over ormond he rose in his bed listening in acute agony when to his relief he at last distinctly heard moriarty breathing strongly and soon afterwards no music was ever so delightful to ormond's ear heard him begin to breathe loudly as if asleep the morning light dawned soon afterwards and the crowing of a cock was heard which ormond feared might waken him but the poor man slept soundly through all these usual noises the heaving of the bedclothes over his breast went on with uninterrupted regularity the gardener and his wife softly opened the door of the room to inquire how things were going on ormond pointed to the bed and they nodded and smiled and beckoned to him to come out whispering that a taste of the morning air would do him good he suffered them to lead him out for he was afraid of debating the point in the room with the sleeping patient the good people of the house who had known harry ormond from a child and who were exceedingly fond of him as all the poor people in the neighbourhood were said everything they could think of upon this occasion to comfort him and reiterated about a hundred times their prophecies that moriarty would be as sound and good a man as ever in a fortnight's time sure when he'd take the soft sleep he couldn't but do well then perceiving that ormond listened to them only with faint attention the wife whispered to her husband come off to our work johnny he'd like to be alone he's not equal to listen to our talk yet it's the surgeon must give him hope and he'll soon be here i trust they went to their work and left ormond standing in the porch it was a fine morning the birds were singing and the smell of the honeysuckle with which the porch was covered wafted by the fresh morning air struck ormond's senses but struck him with melancholy everything in nature is cheerful except myself everything in this world going on just the same as it was yesterday but all changed for me within a few short hours by my own folly my own madness every animal thought he as his attention was caught by the house-dog who was licking his hand and as his eye fell upon the hen and chickens who were feeding before the door every animal is happy and innocent but if this man die i shall be a murderer this thought perpetually recurring so oppressed him that he stood motionless till he was roused by the voice of sir ulic o'shane well harry ormond how is it with you my boy 
the fellow's alive i hope alive thank heaven yes and asleep give ye joy it would have been an ugly thing not but what we could have brought you through i'd go through thick and thin you know for you as if it were for my own son but lady o'shane said sir ulic changing his tone and with a face of great concern i must talk to you about her i may as well speak now since it must be said i am afraid said ormond that i spoke too hastily last night i beg your pardon nay nay put me out of the question you may do what you please with me always could from the time you were four years old but you know the more i love anybody the more lady o'shane hates them the fact is continued sir ulic rubbing his eyes that i have had a weary night of it lady o'shane has been crying and whining in my ears she says i encourage you in being insolent and so forth in short she cannot endure you in the house any longer i suspect that sour one sir ulic among his intimates always designated miss black in this manner puts her up to it but i will not give up my own boy i will take it with a high hand separations are foolish things as foolish as marriages but i'd sooner part with lady o'shane at once than let harry ormond think i'd forsake him especially in awkward circumstances that sir ulic is what harry ormond can never think of you he would be the basest the most suspicious the most ungrateful but i must not speak so loud continued he lowering his voice lest it should waken moriarty sir ulic drew him away from the door for ormond was cool enough at this moment to have common sense my dear guardian father allow me still to call you by that name continued ormond believe me your kindness is too fully innumerable instances of your affection now press upon me so that i can't express myself but depend upon it suspicion of your friendship is the last that could enter my mind i trust therefore you will do me the same sort of justice and never suppose me capable of ingratitude though the time is come when we must part ormond could hardly pronounce the word part repeated sir ulic no by all the saints and all the devils in female form i am resolved said ormond firmly resolved on one point never to be a cause of unhappiness to one who has been the source of so much happiness to me i will no more be an object of contention between you and lady o'shane give her up rather than me heaven forbid i the cause of separation never never i am determined let what will become of me i will no more be an inmate of castle hermitage tears started into armand's eyes sir ulic appeared much affected and in a state of great embarrassment and indecision he could not bear to think of it he swore it must not be then he gradually sunk to hoping it was not necessary and proposing palliatives and half-measures moriarty must be moved to-day sent to his own friends that point he had for peace's sake conceded to her ladyship he said 
but he should expect on her part that after a proper a decent apology from ormond things might still be accommodated and go on smoothly if that meddling miss black would allow them in short he managed so that whilst he confirmed the young man in his resolution to quit castle hermitage he threw all the blame on lady o'shane ormond never doubting the steadiness of sir ulic's affection nor suspecting that he had any secret motive for wishing to get rid of him but where can you go my dear boy what will you do with yourself what will become of you never mind never mind what becomes of me my dear sir i'll find means i have the use of head and hands my cousin cornelius o'shane he is as fond of you almost as i am and he is not cursed with a wife and is blessed with a daughter said sir ulic with a sly smile oh yes continued he i see it all now you have ways and means i no longer object i'll write no you'd better write yourself to king corney for you are a greater favourite with his majesty than i am fare ye well heaven bless you my boy said sir ulic with warm emphasis remember whenever you want supplies castle hermitage is your bank you know i have a bank at my back sir ulic was joined in a banking-house castle hermitage is your bank and here's your quarter's allowance to begin with sir ulic put a purse into ormond's hand and left him End of chapter two